And welcome to the Sins of Nassau Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Lenemeyer. With me as always, Sean Hogan. Hey. James O'Hara. Hello. All right. It has been three weeks since we last did this. Uh, and the Nats have gone through fits and starts of maybe kind of sort of finding the offense and then really not finding the offense. <laughs> true they like the they really like their patterns of just random so now the 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 one positive uh that hasn't been true before is now they have won three games in a row uh which they had not done as of the last recording and now they've done it twice (laughs) so they'd hardly won two games in a row the last time we recorded (laughs) yeah they they, they, like we were talking about their pattern like the beginning of the year they had like a couple patterns of two wins and then more losses. And then last time we recorded, they were doing that pattern of lose the first game in the series, win the second game in the series, like in a blowout and then lose the third game in the series. So that any hope you might've had for a second, there is dashed very quickly. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the best stretch of baseball they have played between recordings. Yeah. Yeah, this most recent one against the Reds was actually fairly impressive because they came from behind a couple of different times to win those games. Um, Their response after winning those three games, not as impressive uh, as they were hammered by the Marlins last night, 12 to (laughs) 2. Yes. So it always helps to to play bad teams. So, you know, that's the other benefit of having some Rockies and Reds series here three weeks ago that would have so it would have been before the dodgers series right i think so i'm pulling up the date of the last one because three weeks sounds long now that i'm looking at it yes it was definitely before the dodgers series or at least but before one, some two, of it three. yeah oh it was in the 18th okay cool so yeah i mean so they they had some bad teams in there but they also had three good teams they played since that one, I mean, they had the Brewers are pretty good. The Dodgers are obviously very good. They had another series against the Mets. Um, you know, those weren't quite as good. They only got one off the Brewers. They only got one off the Dodgers. Uh, the pitchers got, duel with yeah, it got Eric pretty Fetty out to linger. Curious. <laughs> True. No, and I was gonna say, you know, for that one, you say it's a pitchers duel. That's also, I think, like. One of their first wins, I think they've had. That's not a blowout. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll have to double check their baseball reference, but that might be their. That might have been their first like one run win, or it definitely feels like it. Uh, they might have had one before, but it, it. They really do like this pattern. I mean, you can see it if you look at their baseball reference team page of like the little game results at the top of it. They'll have like the the green and red bars, and the length of the bar is based on you know is how much the margin of victory was. And obviously, first you notice there's a lot more red, but then second you notice like almost all the green bars are very long and noticeable. So when they win, they know how to make it a very entertaining victory. They are uh, five and five in one run games. Wow, it's pretty good. Would I not have guessed that. They had because they had the one nothing game, and then they have this. They also had another one run game against the Reds. They won five four. I could not guess what the other three wins are that they won by one run. Uh, I see a like one they only have against 10 total one run games out of like 
57 games. <laughs> That's true. That is pretty incredible how low that number is. Uh, I've got a one nothing win against the Diamondbacks early in the season. Oh, yeah, I say that one in April. 5-4 in extras against Miami in May. Oh, okay, I missed that one. 6-5 against Colorado. 5-4. Yep, so hey, yeah, Colorado win the last one. And then the one nothing Dodgers one. Oh, one nothing right. Dodgers. Yeah. Dodgers, Rockies, Colorado, Miami. Sorry, Rockies, Colorado. Yeah, I think we had, I think we got them all covered. Reds. Yeah, I think that was all of Miami and the Reds. I think it was all of them. So I yeah, like you said, John, not in terms of one run games, ten is pretty low for this point of the year, I feel like. Um like kind of shocking that they are even in those games. Um so I guess that that shows you can't really say they're unlucky or lucky. Uh, they are they're definitely earning these wins or losses. They have almost three times as many blowout five plus run differential games as one run games. Yeah, and in those blowout yeah, they, games, they're being outscored by sixty five runs. <laughs> yes, seems seems bad. Again, uh, getting their money's worth, <laughs> but they have ten blowout wins, so you know. The, a team with 10, but they have twice as many blowout wins as they have one run wins. So I, that's probably a sign of a good team, right? Don't, as long as we don't look at the loss column, she just said, I, I, be that, I don't have the time to look that up, but I doubt that there are that many teams that could really say even this far, only like one third of the way into the season could say that they had more blow twice as many five plus run wins as they did one run wins. Uh, I would also just like to point out that that is um, 15 of their 21 wins are either one run or a blowout blowout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't, the team does not make sense. Like I said, you win, they win, they make sure to make it as entertaining a win as possible. Uh, I think their hope is that with, since they won't have a frequency of wins to kind of keep fan levels up, it's like, all right, well, we'll just have one giant win that'll kind of give you, ha- you know, make you happy. It'll be good for like three days while we lose these next two or three. And then we'll have another big one to kind of, you know, keep you going again. They'll just be memorable. They won't be plenty. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, otherwise, it uh, again, it helps to play the Reds, who are also terrible. Uh, it was nice that, you know, not great that they had to have comeback wins, but it was nice to have a bad team and play them and beat them and take three of four. Be like, okay, well, at least we are better than this team. <laughs> you can point. We now have definitive, objective proof of a team we can point at and say, okay, the Nationals are better than them at least. <laughs> so, and, and on that note, we had. We had Lane Thomas get his uh become the seventh player in Nats history with a three home run game. So TJ, this was what I was talking about. I was going to try to quiz you guys and who the other six are in Nats history that have a a three home run game. Home run game. Um, Josh Willingham. No, he just had the two grand slam think, game. Yeah. Okay. I think Harper did it. I don't know when, but I'm pretty sure Bryce is one of them. Yes. Um, the problem is, is it's going to be somebody random like Lane Thomas. Surprisingly, it's I, a pretty chalk list. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
Rendon, maybe. I'm trying to think that I can't remember that Mets game where they actually got to three home runs. I know he was like six for six. So I'm pretty sure Rendon might be one of them. Um, it's na- name the yeah name the six best hitter six of the best hitters in Nationals history. All right, yes. all right. So if we're just doing that, then it would be Harper, Rendon, Zimmerman, Soto. Uh, Soto's a no. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't think yeah. Soto was, but now you just say you said name the six best hitters. I, you I, changed I, the well, question. then I corrected it to six of <laughs> six of. So I guess Zimmerman, Harper, Rendon. Uh, who else would have hit that many home runs? So I think it would have been like, huh? I don't uh, think Soriano guess- was here long enough to try and do it. Was he one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hell of a season. I guess you have forty home runs. You have to have one. Um, if we're thinking like pure hitters, Michael Morse might have done it now, or Laroche. Just trying to think, knock out all the first baseman, Nick Johnson. <laughs> Nick oh. Johnson probably couldn't even like make it through an entire game, let alone yeah. three home Remember, runs. Sean, this is an audio medium, so you do have to answer <laughs> yes or no. You can't just visually. Uh, you know, they can probably guess that I'm wrong because I react annoyed. But so, how many are we up um, to right now? You're up to four. four. So you've got Zimmerman, Harper, Rendon, and Soriano. And Lane Thomas, God. Well, of the six <laughs> that are not Lane Thomas. Thomas, I don't think Lane Thomas has done this twice. <laughs> um, I say you get you have you have one sort of of the older generation and one of the newer generation. You know, one a while ago and then one lately. Brad Wilkerson, not that no, long. ago. He only hit for a cycle. <laughs> uh, Don, I don't think we said Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn, yes. There you go. So um, got one and then, uh, other ones recently, um, yeah, you could either go with like oh, Trey Turner, Murphy. but I don't think, yeah, Murphy was going to be the other one I would say, but I don't think neither of them are, I think, enough good enough home run hitters that it would be either of them. Uh, Danny Espinosa on a heater, <laughs> <laughs> he actually hit 12 home runs in one day, because he's not on a team anymore. Uh, because that's the other thing, like Howie Kendrick, I don't think it, because I don't think he hits enough home runs that he would have done three in one game. Um, I'm trying to think if anyone about, in Nats history was ever on a heater, he's he was on a heater. He's on a heater. Oh, it's Drupal Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> on a heater. <laughs> I mean, that he carried the 2019 team to the playoffs by. Luckily, being extremely hot for no good reason. I thought it was a very ago. good reason. The reason was that he wanted to. <laughs> I decided I wanted to be, you know, people can decide they want to be the best hitter in baseball. And the difference is that for some people, they can decide that for one day, some one month, and some 10 years. And that's the difference between good and very good players. Um, three home runs. Is it somebody who was on the World Series team? No. Okay, so that at least makes it easier. How is it somebody, recent is it are we Josh talking? Bell? Not Josh Bell, okay. uh, but after the World Series team. After the World Series team. Who else was good on those teams? Turner? 
Uh-oh. No, he wasn't on that team. God. No, I already Turner. said Turner. Um, it wasn't this year, was it? No, it was last year. It was last year. Okay. Okay, let me look Who at the 2021 roster. Who was on a heater last year? I don't remember. That team was bad. I kind of forgot about it pretty quick. The one oh, player. Oh, Schwarber, was, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had like, what, like 11 home runs in 18 games or something like that. Yes. Yeah. I, I just forgot that he had three in one game. I, yeah. I remember he had like two. He was like averaging two per game that whole week. Yeah. Basically. I forgot that he got the three though. Uh, for some reason, when you said they, they were on a heater, I was thinking somebody who was not a, that good of a hitter uh, yeah. and then got kind of lucky and got out of. I mean, if you want to talk about Kyle Schwarber. Why, yes, I would. He, he is not yeah. that good of a hitter, but he does hit them far when he catches them. <laughs> so I think. Oh, well, that's that's an entirely different discussion <laughs> of what defines a good hitter. You know. Yeah, if you're purely making con, if it's purely just making contact, then you're one of the best hitters in baseball. Was Juan Pierre? So, you know, you might we might need to expand that definition slightly. I don't just mean getting on base, but I would like a a percentage that's above two. Yeah, he's he's above two for his career. Two thirty three. Nice, but his career. 233, 341, 490 gives him up 118 WRC plus. So, I mean, obviously, you're not going to be like, well, he's a great hitter, but that's I mean, that's pretty high for your career. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, it is an interesting question, though. Is Would you define it as somebody who can... How do you define a hitter? <laughs> One who it would be interesting to say is just the best contactor in baseball. Um. Yeah, but Lane Thomas did have a three home run game, which confusing. Uh, following the tradition of Nat center fielders of just having randomly good weekends in away games, uh, and then getting to start like the next week afterwards and not following it up really at all. So, uh, we'll see. It, it is pretty wild though that weekend. I think. Uh. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see in the game long, but his WRC plus went from like 57 to 120, <laughs> which has made no, it was just like, well, I, in that one game, he went from like 57 to 90, basically from like unplayable garbage to, okay, you know, you could actually see this, let him play kind of frequently. Um, the real so issue, playable garbage. Yeah. Playable garbage, which is the kind of garbage you want. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see. Let me see if I go right before I can get the exact number. On uh, Thursday, June 2nd, his WRC plus was 61. By June 4th, it was 89. <laughs> and then today, it is now 127. Uh, so, you know, pretty good job by him. Oh, 94. Sorry. I was looking at last year. This year it's 94. So that was a little too high. 94. Still pretty ridiculous to go from 61 to 94 in the course of a weekend. Yeah. yeah. So I, it also just the at this point now, the more important question is how long 
do you run with him in center field and Yadiel Hernandez in left field and Robles not playing at all? You run that far until you can trade Yadiel Hernandez. Right. But I guess the, the problem is that somebody like Yadiel Hernandez is probably not going to be in early trade. Um, yeah. I'm still looking at 2021, which is throwing me off because I'm seeing like good hitters stats. I'm like, what's it? What's this? There you go. That's much worse. Much. Uh, so yeah, I yeah, Hernandez yeah, 103 at this point with a little bit of power, but he doesn't have a. He hasn't shown a lot of power for you know compared to what you would think. With his ISO is only 140, so he only has four home runs this year. Uh, so you know, serviceable, but. The real issue with Yadiel Hernandez, you know, since he can't play defense and also every team has a DH, you know, nobody's really pinch hitting that much. So, you know, inlet, the only teams that could be really interested maybe are teams that don't have a DH yet. And then at the trade lid line are like, all right, we'll just pick up, you know, whatever guy for half a season to be our DH because we think we're going to be in the playoffs and we want somebody who can, you know, take that spot and hit well. Um, but even then you don't know how you'd have to kind of look through some of the playoffs teams and I don't really know how many of them have an opening like that uh, so I don't know how much of a, a market Yadiel will have in comparison to the last couple of years where he probably would have been a bit better yeah but he could be a fit on team even though they're not contending right now the, uh, the Angels if you've seen their lineup today where they're batting uh, Juan Lagares fifth and uh Right. Oh God! Like I forget. Somebody is fourth, and they're also one. Yeah, of the uh, some of that is injuries, though. And yeah, the, but the he Paul, could be like kind right. of the, the band aid for a little bit. True. Yeah. It, so that's true. That you could try to see if you could try to get him sh- traded out now, similar to the Nationals trading for LCD's Escobar uh, last season, where it's just like, okay, we're pretty sure we have a good team. We have too many guys who accidentally got injured at the same time. And if we run out, you know, and we just don't have backups that are good. And if we run them out for too long, we're going to be completely out of it. So we need to get somebody who can maybe help for a little bit, you know, but we're not going to really feel that bad if we get to August and everybody's healthy and we say, well, no spots and kick them to the curb. You know, we're not going to be like, well, why did we just waste, you know, 5 million or an actual prospect on that? So I could see that, but I, I'd be surprised from the national side. Uh, I think they would still probably be holding out hope for a little bit longer that they could do better, but you never know. I mean, that's one of the keys and that's going to be the critical thing for their front office. And I assume they might be doing a lot of like, um, you know, lack of a better term, war gaming of trying to really figure out who are the contenders? What do they want? what do they seem to value in player acquisition? Like, you know, how, you know, how much do they focus on scout reports? How much do they focus on stats? If there are stat, if they focus on stats, can we get a read on like what kind of stats they look at? Or do they look more at top level? Like, you know, just kind of OBP slugging the basics, or are they, they like to focus a lot more on the really nitty gritty stat cast stuff. Um, you know, and try to figure out like, okay, what would these team value these teams value? Who actually needs the players we have? You know, and what is a realistic 
look for us um, because you can just wait out. They, they just don't, the Nats don't have any pieces they're looking to trade besides maybe Josh Bell. If Josh Bell does end up getting traded, uh, which, you know, we've talked about in the past, I think would be kind of foolish for them. I think he, you know, Bell makes a lot more sense to stay with them. Um, you know, unless you can kind of work through a, you know, working on an idea of trading him and signing him back in the off season. Uh, you know, if he's receptive to that, uh, Otherwise, the other players they have to trade are not, you know, names people are going to come seek out that you can just sit and wait until people put in their best bid and then finally pull the trigger. You're going to have to know exactly what you think you can get for them. And when you sort of hear that price, be like, all right, we're done. <laughs> trade in, send it. You're willing to give $1 for D Strange Gordon. Sold. Sold. <laughs> So I mean, yeah, I mean, D. Strange Gordon's probably low, but even like Cesar Hernandez, yeah. uh, Yadiel Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, uh, some of the bullpen guys like C. Shack. Uh, trying to think who else they had signed. I think most of them are injured. Like Doolittle was unfortunately injured right now. Um, you know, and maybe even Franco. Although Aranjo. Yeah, Aranjo, Victor Aranjo, although he's hurt now. So <laughs> who's to say? But like. All of those guys, you know, they're really, you know, even the ones who you think are probably like, okay, they probably could get back something for them in a trade. It's true, but you, know, you really gotta know what that is. That something is gonna be, and know to say yes when it comes along, um, because this is not a situation where like, hey, the Angels come and say, hey, we want Yadiel Hernandez today. We'll give you this pitcher in single A who's a little old, but also throwing 99 with a high spin rate curveball. And you go, all right, well, you know, let's talk it out. Let's think about it. They'll say, okay, well, we're going to go get this other guy who's exactly like him instead from this, you know, from the Phillies or from the Diamondbacks or whoever, you know, you don't have people who are really unique enough that you, you can stand to, to negotiate. It's really going to be a, Oh, that sounds like what we wanted for the him. Yes. Yeah. Deal over. Yeah, they need to they need to be ready to pull the trigger when anything comes their way. They need to be ready to deal an infielder so that uh Adrianza can play so they can deal him too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you gotta make playing time for your next batch of trade trade guys. Well, you can just option Luis Garcia back down. <laughs> I'm sure there's something else he can work on. We're kind of I mean, hitting it out of the park every single at bat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he came up, he's only hitting 391, 375, 609. I think you could send him back to AAA and say, hey, good job, but let's try to get that on base percentage above your batting average. <laughs> you know, a 16 point lower on base percentage than batting average is just not going to cut it for the Washington Nationals. So let's go work on that. Uh, and then, you know, we'll be able to call him back up at the end of July. I don't know, judging some of the players in the nationals he might go in the opposite direction and be like all right well victor's is probably you know 40 points below his uh, batting average so i need to get it lower yeah so i mean but yeah back to the original point since you mentioned robles though you're we talking about you know if you have thomas and hernandez taking up center field left field you have nelson cruz you have to have him as dh you know, so you have 
two guys who are kind of locked into their spots because you're trying to get them enough on tape that people will trade for them and you can get something back that leaves only center field. Because obviously you're not going to sit Soto either uh, for two different youngish, but not quite, you know, I mean, Rovis is kind of young. He, you know, Thomas is a couple of years older than him. Uh, guys who have gone back and forth between showing promise and not really being that good. Uh, Robles is you know, far and above the better defensive center fielder. And really the, just the question for him was the same as with Michael A. Taylor in the past was, can you hit just enough that we can justify your defense? Uh, and so far this year, he's kind of, kind of been yes i mean it hasn't been all-star level or anything like that but you're hanging around an 80 wrc plus on a team like this right now without that many good hitters looks really bad and you get annoyed by it but if you were to put him on you know like the 2019 nationals a, a lineup that is pretty stacked one to seven with guys who are all hitting above average in the for the league you can put one very very good to one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball as the last hitter in that lineup hitting just, you know, 20 points below average and not really worry too much about it. You know, you're going to get your offense from everywhere else. So, you know, Lane Thomas could end up being a better hitter. Uh, He won't be a better defender. And then the question just is really, you know, how much, how much Lane, how much rope do you want to give Lane to try to prove that he's definitely a better can be above average hitter uh, to let him start versus trying to keep Robles in a rhythm, you know, cause the more you have him sit, the more it's going to be difficult for him to randomly jump back in for a game or two here or there. Uh, and he's going to just look worse. Uh, and you're not, you're not going to see the best Victor Robles if he's not playing frequently. Right. And then you could be making misevaluations. You know, other teams could be making poor evaluations of Robles based on the limited time he's playing. Uh, so, you know, you're, he's not going to look good as a trade candidate. He's not going to develop for your team in a way that you want. Um, so I think it's a major concern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And, uh, <laughs> It really comes down to like how how do you solve that problem while still uh, we know at this point that there are multiple players on this team that their only purpose here is to get trade value back. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you maintain those trade values <laughs> or increase those trade values while still trying to keep Robles somewhat in a rhythm. Yeah. And I mean, really, and I, I don't know splitting if time at best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they've done a great job of it so far. Cause I, I feel like no. Robles has definitely been, it's definitely been like multiple games in multiple games out kind of deal. Less of a, you know, rotating around, um, you know, and you know, maybe only having one game off, but even then, you know, one game off pretty every other, if you're only playing every other day, that's still kind of hard to keep your rhythm. So, yeah, definitely playing every other day and perhaps coming in for an at bat, like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they've had Robles, he started 
yeah, every game for them basically from May 25th to the 31st, he was playing, you know, he played the full game. Um, he missed, he took one day off and then played the first, started the first two games against the Reds. And then since then, now the, the last three games, and I believe tonight as well, well, the last three games he came in in the ninth, the eighth, and the eighth and finished it just kind of as a defensive replacement. Um, those last two games. And then this today, tonight is not starting again on the eighth. So that's now four games in a row. He hasn't been starting. Uh, only one of those did he have a plate appearance in in the last three games before this. Uh, so you, know, you can try to keep him in a defensive rhythm a little bit by having him at least finish these games as a defensive replacement. But you know that's a lot of time off. Um, and it's not necessarily that you're saying, hey, we want to see if he can do something different. It is kind of showing that you know, he might not hit that 2019 level again offensively. But I think even hitting at the level he is right now is still a useful piece. So keeping that tied to the bench completely is not necessarily the right move either. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's uh, let's move on to some news here. Um some things definitely happening with the nationals here. Uh, one, uh, one Steven Strasburg is set to make his season debut, uh, tomorrow evening. Oh yeah. Uh, which the is a bummer. Cause like if he had made a season debut tonight, he would have been pitching Zim's retirement game. He would have been pitching to his retirement name. He also would be pitching on Strasmus, which is tonight, June 8th, 12th <laughs> year anniversary. Of his debut, uh, still probably the best hitting, ex- ridiculously high expectations debut anybody's ever had. You know, Bryce Harper did have that, had one double, but otherwise didn't really do that much in his debut. But basically coming in as like the most hype pitching prospect of all time and then striking out 14 batters <laughs> in seven innings uh, is just incredible you know, being able to reach expectations like that. Um, so a little disappointing. It's one day after that. Also a little just dis- end that he won't be on the Zim day. And then also a little disappointing uh, that he is one day after. Uh, he's one day before their next home game on the 10th. He's going to be in Miami uh, instead. So missing out a little bit there, but always good for the team making i'm sure they're making the right decision in terms of his progression to keep him healthy uh and it will be exciting to finally see strasburg back hopefully for a longer amount of time than the previous couple times he's returned yeah it'll be pretty exciting to see how he looks against uh major league hitters um his last time out at triple a uh he had a pretty good pretty good outing so i'm excited to see how he looks he got he had a rough one, his first one in uh, Fredericksburg, and then his second one in Fredericksburg was five hitless innings with one walk and six Ks. And then in Rochester, he was six innings, one hit, one walk, four Ks. So, Which the six innings is is something that's particularly exciting. Um, I mean, it was only, well, actually, 
Yeah. Okay. He did get up to 83 pitches that game. Yeah. So he'll, he'll, he'll have to throw, you know, it's harder to get major league hitters out than AAA. Otherwise we'd be watching the Rochester Red Wings instead. Sure. But I mean, aren't cautiously we optimistic? Yeah. Uh, and I would, I would just like to point out, I, I have the Nats website open over here on the screen and they are just showing like highlights. And I would like you both to know that the highlights are so sparse that one of the highlights is strange. Gordon reaches first base. Hell yeah. <laughs> he did it. It <laughs> is strange. Good for D. I know it's been a long battle for him to reach first base. <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably a career highlight. Finally make it there. Come on, you can steal first base, right? That's a real thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, Jonah Don was uh, optioned back to AAA. Uh, he was who got hammered last night, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's, he's replaced by another hammered. guy who will get hammered, uh, Sam Clay. <laughs> yes. Uh, Don has been getting hammered pretty much every single night. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of surprising how long they let him go for because it was just not coming up very well. Uh, so that was also just interesting because he just kind of ran, you know, it was just with the way the number of people they traded, then the injuries they had. And then kind of some wonky scheduling at the end of the year ended up with them not really having a starter for that Sunday, uh, the last game of the season. And they're like, well, we need to call somebody. And he was like the guy on the 40 man roster. still. So they're like, all right, we'll just call this guy up and start. And he had a pretty decent start against the Red Sox, who then went to the playoffs. Yeah. And I guess the idea was like, oh, all right, we'll just. You you had one good start, so I guess we'll just let you play a third of a season and see what happens. And the answer was nothing good. Well, it also didn't help that we then started with forty percent of our our starting rotation on the injured list, one of which will not return. Uh, I guess we haven't. That's the next piece that we need to talk about. Um, Joe Ross set for a second Tommy John surgery. Uh, so his time with the nationals is basically done at this point. And, uh, we hope he can recover from that and go on to do great things. Just not against Washington. Um, let's see a couple of things that came up through the news over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there was some rumblings that like, the Nationals may be looking to trade Juan Soto and uh, it's nonsense. So then Mike Rizzo finally had to come out and say, no, no, no we're not going to do that three years before he's a free agent. Um, and it kills me because like there's still stuff that pops up. I saw something the other day that was like, you know, an opposing manager was like, you got to get him out of there. He's got to be miserable. And it's like, of, of course an opposing manager would want him to go somewhere else. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Just absolute nonsense. Um, I mean, especially not with the team 
you know, potentially looking to sell or the learners looking to sell, especially. Well, and that, that takes me to the next point. Uh, John Heyman, I believe on his podcast or radio show or something, um, was talking about that and was talking about that. There were, um, apparently multiple people interested in all, all of them are basically saying the same thing of like, yeah, we're going to shell out the money to make sure Juan Soto stays here. Um, so that's, that's a good thing to hear as a fan, but I also, the next thing I want to hear is we're also going to pay other people to come play with Juan Soto. <laughs> right. Uh, so. No, you only get one. <laughs> I already paid for one player. You want more? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see any way that they're trading Juan Soto before a new ownership deal has been made. No. Because that's just, I, in either case, either the new owner wants Soto there as having a top five player in baseball, uh, a very nice asset to have for you, the new baseball team you own. Or on the other hand, if he is getting traded, they want their people, the ones making the trade uh, so that they can make sure they're getting back what they want. Uh, you know, something that will actually be able to make a good team eventually. Um you know, obviously, there's a chance they could get an owner who is more just interested in you know, what they can earn from the team, uh, which obviously would be a bummer. But I feel like generally, even ownerships like that, somebody when you become a new owner of a sports franchise like that, the first couple of years, you'll still play at least nominal attention to the idea that I want to win a championship so I can say that I have done it. And then after that, you can really just be like, well, screw, I've already done this. Why would I pay for it again? You know, similar to like the Ricketts in Chicago, where their master plan the whole time was to just basically bleed, take advantage of the fact that Cubs fans will show up now no matter what the team looks like and use that to pay no money to any players and do badly, but have everybody show up and watch them anyways and get a lot of money that way. But the first step was, well, let's go win one of the World Series, win a World Series, and then we'll, you know, live off of that for forever. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's probably a good sign for keeping Soto around and, you know, having ownership that's hopefully focused on contending at least to start. Uh, and then preferably we see, you know, a local owner, you know, somebody who's actually a fan of the team who and wants to see them do well and is owning them because he wants, you know, to kind of be you know, like any of us would feel if we were suddenly in the position of being able to buy the Washington Nationals, like, awesome, I get to own my favorite baseball team and help them hopefully be good. Uh, but, well, you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, another piece that came out of the um, potential sale news was that uh, apparently the Nationals are looking for $3 billion uh, for the franchise. Uh, which would top the high modern mark for Major League Baseball right now, uh, which was set yeah. not too long ago uh, by one Steve Cohen buying the New York Mets. <laughs> yeah, it seems very unlikely. I mean, I think Washington is a little underrated as a market. Uh, it's definitely, you could see in the last couple of years, especially, you know, and then once they won the World Series, there was a lot of support. You know, there was million people in the stands for those playoff games uh so i think that they've definitely the learners 
have done a good job of building up the team to build up the fan base. Uh, and I don't think you're going to, it's going to be seen as a similar situation to previous, you know, Washington teams that left or, you know, what the Washington fan base looked like when the team, when the Nats first came to town in, you know, 2006 to 2009. Uh, but I don't think it's the New York Mets level. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of the key with that reporting is that there wasn't that much clarified in terms of is $3 billion like the minimum they, you know, we want to at least make three $3 billion or like, man, if we could get $3 billion, that sure would be swell. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got to be the latter. Uh, I mean, you brought it up. Uh, DC is an underrated market, but it is not New York. Um, and second, if you were looking to like really get in on the momentum of the team and try and bring up that value, uh, you're about three years too late. Yep. So... Who knows? Uh, last thing that came through uh, some reporting that I've seen, uh, I guess it was being floated to Mike Rizzo uh, in an interview today or yesterday that uh, would it make sense for the Nationals to fire Davey Martinez and then bring in Joe Madden? And Mike Rizzo did not take kindly to that question. <laughs> Especially considering that, like, Davey and Joe Madden are like this, yeah. too. So it's like you replace young Joe Madden with old Joe Madden. I mean, that would be a hell of a move by Madden to be like, oh, look, my protege, let me just get him fired and then I'll get to take that job. Nice. <laughs> but one, you know, wild that you would do that, make that move. And then two, that he would make that move for such a bad team. Yeah. You're like, oh, I just need to get this jackass out of the way so I can take over my dream team, the 2022 Washington Nationals. It's like, oh. No, I mean, even if somebody doesn't really like Davey as a manager and kind of thinks at this point the next good Nationals team should probably not have him as, you know, expected good Nationals team should not have him as the manager of it. I'd see no point in firing him now. No. You know, this is you're not trying to be good. Uh, You're not getting you know, anything out fine. of it. Right. The The only reason you would fire him now is, is similar to the Jim Riggleman situation where either the manager himself, like Riggleman, is just annoyed and dissatisfied and making that known. And then you're like, well, we don't really care about keeping you around that much. So get out of here. Like anybody could mention, you could manage this team to 100 losses which is our goal. Uh, or if you hear more discontent from the players themselves, like, you know, somebody like Soto or Bell or, you know, players along that line are saying like, Hey, uh, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that, which is annoying. And, you know, he's pissing players off. Then I could see you, know, you all right, well, let's get him out of here and get somebody else to be a better caretaker. Um, which also, you know, similar to the Jim Riggleman situation as well, because I think that was something Jason Worth was doing a lot of, was complaining about Riggleman's ideas. Uh, and so all that kind of came to a head. I don't anticipate that happening in this situation, though. No, no, I can't. I can't imagine that happening. My is 
this isn't his last year. Next year's his last year. Yeah, although we were talking about that, and then I think the day after we talked about it, it was revealed that you were correct that it was two-year deal, and the third year is an option mm. uh, for Rizzo and for Martinez. So both of them only have options next year right now that, as far as we know, have not been picked up either. Interesting. So, um, yeah, we could see you know, Martinez... You know, Davey, if he wants to try to demand that he gets that option picked up, uh, that would be an interesting choice. Then it would be extremely like the Jim Riggleman situation. <laughs> uh, and in that case, in this case, again, I think it would be a bad move by him to try to make that demand. It also, I'd be kind of surprised that he would do that just because one, that the you know, team has been bad the last two years. And do you really want to try to draw more attention to that? That it, you know, been three years in a row now. You know, one of them was a COVID shortened year, but now two full years where you're just managing a bad team and not really seeming to make them any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, one and then two. Unlike Riggleman, he's had the full time job for a while now, uh, so it's not quite as much of a desperation as you saw with you know Riggleman was somebody who'd always been an interim manager and kind of was finally seeing what he thought might be his last chance at being a full-time manager in the majors and was kind of getting ignored and, you know, got annoyed about that. I don't think you would see a similar situation with Davey, obviously, because he's been nationals manager since 2018. Decided to play his hand and quit instead of (laughs) perfect. Um, Yeah. The, the option makes it a little more interesting because my initial thought was if he had one more year left, you obviously let him start the season, and then if he starts slow, as all of his teams have, his leash is very, very short. Um, but with an option, and an option for Rizzo, not that I want to see Rizzo go anywhere, but you have a new ownership group come in, that makes it very easy to have their own people in the house and not eat any of that money. So that could be something to watch out for. For sure. Let's see. What else do we have? Uh, anything other? Anything else Nats wise? Because I'm going to switch to kind of the rest of the league here. Unless you're yeah. excited about Sam Clay. No. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. You know, approaching Ryan's and Raymond weekend, which will be exciting. Uh, I don't know if we'll record before that so uh that'll be you know big i still haven't seen anything we'll have to see on it'll be interesting to see on the 10th whether they'll have like a random tarp or something on the aisle because i haven't seen, i've been looking i still haven't seen anything that indicates exactly like where they're gonna put him so i don't think he's gonna be in like the the regular ring of honor because they've reserved that so far just for hall of famers mm-hmm uh, I guess we could potentially see them change, you know, the criteria for that. It's their own criteria; they can do whatever they want. Um, but I think generally that'll probably stay Hall of Famers, and then they have the ones up in right field. But Zimmerman, you know, with Jackie Robinson, Frank Robinson, Frank Howard, and Jason Worth, and not to take away from any of those guys, but Ryan Zimmerman definitely feels like a whole other level compared to them. So outside of 
Jackie Robinson, obviously across the league, that yeah. number is retired. The Nationals don't have any numbers retired, do they? No, correct. Okay. So he'd be the first retired. Uh, you know, and you think potentially could get a statue in the future. Although, as people like to point out, you definitely want to wait a little bit uh, just to make sure that you don't have to take it back down. <laughs> um, I, I don't think Zimmerman would do anything too controversial, though, that would really require that. But um, it's going to be interesting. And the other thing is that right field, I think Jason Worth, there's not with the way it's kind of set off and the rest, there's also not really room up there anymore. So I'm curious where he's going to, where Zimmerman's going to end up. And then if they're going to, you know, where they're going to leave additional room, um, definitely doesn't help that his law, his name is so long. Uh, will well, take up a lot. One, one on the first base side and the other one on the third base yeah. side. Definitely so on one side. Zimmerman got on the other lucky side. that Jordan Zimmerman did not both resign and then continue to have a great career with the nationals. Cause and they have to retire his number two because that would have really, I don't think they would have been able to fit that. <laughs> it would have been taking all the space they have on the upper deck left for Zimmerman and Zimmerman. And... No, at that point, you just put both the numbers together, Zimmerman once, and then another and then in, in parentheses. parentheses. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one Finally, we're we have, it's right over there. Everybody keeps talking about how Nationals Park is so boring and has no interesting features to it. It isn't quirky. It's like, well, here, you want something quirky? Here's a retired number for two different players. And we put the extra N between their numbers in a parenthesis. There's some your quirkiness. ballpark have parentheses. No, I don't think so. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. All right. So going elsewhere around the league, um, the, the angels are bad. They, oh yeah. They have not been good for a Shocking. solid two weeks. Well, two two Joes have been fired since our last recording. Two Joes have been fired. It's yes. true. Two Joes. All of agreed. the Joes managing have been refi- have been fired. I believe. Uh, I I think that's correct. I don't. I can't think of any other Joes off the top of my head. There might be one more. Oh, but I don't think so. But yes, so, uh, uh, I. The first being Joe Girardi uh, of the Phillies, which is completely understandable. Uh, not that we didn't see it coming this outcome at least um, you went out, well, bought a couple more offensive pieces and lo and behold, you still give up a lot of runs. Yeah. Uh, so variety. It's, it's not much of it. I think is his fault. I mean, we'll see, maybe somebody else will come in and we'll somehow get those relievers to do well, uh, which would be shocking to me. I mean, the problem with Girardi was just giving a terrible roster. Because uh, it makes no sense that they came into this offseason already with a very good offense with multiple star players in Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins. They also had very good supporting guys already, like Gregorius and Segura. Although I don't know if Gregorius is on the team this year. He they is, had Segura. He hurt? Yeah, he's I, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is try to think. Segura. Harper, of course, I believe with him. And then, I mean, they have Wheeler and Nola. You know, they have you know two good yeah. starting pitchers. But they had no relief, good relief pitchers. They didn't really have any starting pitchers behind Nola and Wheeler that were any good. That uh, yeah, it's just like, and then your solution is to spend a huge amount of money to bring in Schwarber and Castellanos to one make the worst outfield defense of all time. <laughs> 
And then two, make it the the second anybody needs to use that DH spot, you're screwed, which has now happened because Harper got his throwing arm hurt and can still hit, but now he has to be a full-time DH. So now you're playing Schwarber and Castellanos full-time in the outfield. And all while, like, uh, Bohm had some defensive issues, and I, th- I off the top of my head, I might be incorrect, but I believe that uh, Hoskins is not particularly great defensively at first either. So it's like you already have kind of negatives at both your corners infield that you would like to be able to rotate in that DH spot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, and it's just crazy. It, two of the top relief pitchers they signed were. Jairus Familia and Brad Hand. And it's like, you know those guys on our division rivals who were so bad <laughs> that everybody hated them and they wanted them gone? What if we signed them to be like two of our three best relievers? I think that'll go well. But remember, they used to be good. Yeah. I mean, even Corey Kniebel was pretty bad last year and is back. I mean, and then otherwise, they'd have their own guy, Sir Anthony Dominguez, which who has never really been that good uh yeah he had a zero era last year but he only pitched one game and had one inning so (laughs) i don't think you really should have been projecting on that before that he's a sir he he is he is a knight he's been knighted so you do have to respect that but it'd be even better when brad hand like stops pitching to a 1.13 era like when he comes back down to earth Kind of like right. last year. <laughs> but it was entirely predictable. I mean, we talked about it in our, when we were going through the stat, you know, our predictions at the beginning of the season, going through the same. And now I think all of us like, did the Phillies people think might be good because they look at this one part, but they built a terrible roster and they have to outscore everybody and they have not outscored everybody. So, so. Uh, I, I do recall what we called them. The Angels, the Angels of, of the, the East. East. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're the exact same team. So, the Angels have been I the Angels have been doing this for about the last decade uh-huh. once they had Trout and Pujols. Their solution was what if we just kept adding more guys who played offense and not pitchers ever and see if this ever works? The answer is no, it doesn't. Stop <laughs> doing that. What if we add one more? One more like, will put us over the top, surely. Justin Upton. Let's get Anthony Rendon. Shohei, at least Shohei Otani both pitches and hits. So that was probably the best they've done. The Angels, but in the Angels' defense, unlike the Phillies, they did at least sign a starting pitcher this year in Noah Syndergaard, who has been pretty decent. So. They have that going for them. So well, I, I would say the gamble coming off of Tommy John and having not pitched in 18 yeah. months. Well, and they also did trade for Rizel Iglesias, who's a pretty good relief pitcher, although it's been doing badly this year, but had, up to this point had been good. Trader, they signed him once a transaction. They signed him as a free agent. Oh, they signed so they, him. Oh, okay. At least the Angels did sign this offseason, finally stop, did not sign an offensive guy and actually signed a few pitchers. So I would say I would put a lot more blame on Madden for the struggles the angels have had where they've now lost, like they lost 12 in a row. They had 13 in a row now um, versus Girardi, who was just given, you know, a plate of shit to try to deal with uh, and did not manage to do so. But it is just incredible that the Angels have 
spent 22 days in first place and now have a losing streak of 13 games. God. If they're almost overcorrecting. Um, because, oh, let me see if I can find that tweet. I mean, I pointed out like the last three or four years, not including the COVID year, um, they've had like the exact same record. I believe it's like 43 and 43 or 41 and 41, something along those lines. Uh, that it's just incredible how they managed to do that. Right now they've gotten below 500, so they'll need to win a, a few more to kind of get back on track. But yeah, uh, 2017, they through 85, uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim record through 85 games. 2017, 43 and 42. 2018, 43 and 42. 2019, 42 and 43. <laughs> Little variety. 2020, they did not play 85 games. 2021, 43 and 42. <laughs> right now, 27 and 30. So we need 16 and 12. Uh, to hit the magic number. So they, they got to pick it up a little bit for interim manager. Uh, Phil oh, Nevin. Phil Nevin. Thank you. Um, but I think they can do it. Uh, and we can have another 43 and 42s party. Now, also, what does it say about the AL West that the Angels have been on a 13 game losing streak and they're, they haven't fallen out of second yet? Uh, Mostly bad says, things. <laughs> It says one, what we knew about the Rangers is that this was kind of their 2011 Nats, that they weren't, they had signed some players, but were not actually ready to compete yet. They kind of need some of their young players to kind of catch up now. Uh, and probably, you know, that the time for the Rangers will probably be next year. Um, you know, they could maybe get lucky and hit uh, a nice run. Uh, and sneak in because there aren't, really aren't that many contenders for playoff sp- spots in the AL, and we have expanded playoffs now, so they'd have a chance. But yeah, I think Texas next year, you know, are looking to next year like we expected. Uh, the really bad one is Seattle, but again, not ex- you know just like the Angels, how we kind of know the Angels the last few years. Seattle, we have talked about for a decade now, could not develop any top prospect at all. Like, he thought the Nats were bad at it with some of their recent misses, but almost any player with any sort of hype coming up from the minor leagues for Seattle is immediately terrible. Well, and, and usually they can, again. you can do one of them. It's like, well, we can develop pitchers, but our hitters lose their ass yeah. in, you know, in the minors, but they've managed to do it six ways to Sunday. And not make any of them hit. Yeah. I mean, Julio Rodriguez, to be fair, is doing well. So I'll give them that. But And also, I'm looking at their roster, and they've made a very creative decision that they're just going to try to take other teams who ru- you know ruin prospects. Uh, so they have J.P. Crawford as their shortstop, Jesse Winker in left field, Eugenio Suarez at third base, Adam Frazier at second base. So I guess their idea is, what if we take guys who have played like they were Mariners prospects, but not on the Mariners, <laughs> and we put them on the Mariners? <laughs> and weirdly, it's worked out well for them so far. Uh, Frazier's 95 OPS plus, Crawford 143, Suarez 129, Winker not that good, 81. Um, but kind of funny. 
but yeah, I they just do not know how to get. You know, Kyle Lewis has bad, been bad. Kalanick's been bad. Um, whoa, who's that? Mike White or whatever. Evan that, White. Who? Oh, Evan, Evan White. White. Yeah, who yeah. they gave a major league deal to and then have never seen again. <laughs> Continues to not be seen. Um, they don't really have much in terms of pitching prospects showing up. Although I think they had them at one point. Uh, so yeah, I, the angels have been the angels. The Mariners have been the Mariners. The Rangers aren't quite ready yet. Uh, and the A's sold everything that had a pulse before (laughs) the season started. And now here we are. Yeah. Just looking through the standings. That's kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting how easy it would be to kind of guess. I, the only thing that's really changed in the AL the last couple of years is the Guardians, for a while, looked like they could do whatever they wanted to and still somehow end up in first place in the Central. Uh, and then the last couple of years, you know, they've, the Mar- it's been the Twins and the White Sox trading it back and forth instead. Uh, so otherwise everything else kind of plays to what you expect. Um, so it is, it is pretty wild that we have not had repeat world series winners, uh, even in this time where we're almost always seeing the same couple teams winning divisions, going to the playoffs year after year that we have not the results have not necessarily ended up being the same, which is fascinating to me. I mean, you're not quite seeing the dynasty. The, the real question is like how if the Dodgers managed to choke this away for so many years. Yeah. I was going to say, because uh, you know, the Dodgers have made a lot of world series. Uh, they've only won one and it was the, the fake one. Um, Ayo, you can kind of, it's interesting to think of like in the past how we used to define baseball dynasties were like teams like the Yankees, teams like the Oakland A's and late eighties, early nineties, you know, a lot of teams where or the Orioles in the sixties where you know maybe they only won one or two, but they were going to you know, they were the team that was gonna be in the World Series. They were often winning it. They probably won multiple, like the Reds, the big red machine. Um and we don't really see that now now if you're going to say a dynasty you'd say like the dodgers because they're they're making the playoffs all the time they've made a couple world series they've won one you'd say you know maybe the the atlanta uh, for the last couple of years you've know, been consistently winning the nl east and now has a world series title and before them maybe the nationals but i don't even know if you'd count them as a dynasty and you, maybe houston and then you'd have to question like the Red Sox might be the only other one, but even then you'd have to question that because the Red Sox also just like to randomly have really bad years every three years. So yeah. I don't know if you can call a team a dynasty if they keep getting last place every once in a while. No, I mean, the, I, I think the closest you can get to it is LA or Houston and Houston yeah. has a little bit of a stink on it. So it's, yep. it's kind of yeah, hard. And, to- and even then, both only have one World Series title. Uh, I think Houston only made two 
Mm-hmm. They, the one they beat the Dodgers in 2017, then they made it in 2019 and lost to the Nationals, and then have not made it back again since then. Yeah. So it is. It is interesting the level of both parity and also not parity because you know the top teams are almost always the top teams, but you know there's still at least some dynamic movement among that group of six or seven. Yeah. But, and it's also just funny that one of those teams is the Brewers. <laughs> I don't well, know. The Brewers and the Rays. Yeah. And the Rays, the, the Rays people pay attention to the Brewers. It's just funny. It's, it's been like, I think six years in a row and they've won like the division almost every year since 2017, 2018. And nobody really talks about well, what do what are the Brewers doing? Like you get all these articles about the Rays, and hey, what what do the Rays? Why you know they're not spending? How they're doing all this with their bullpen openers? They do this, they do that, all this stuff about like you know how they're being a good team. But then the Brewers, yeah, twenty eighteen they got first, twenty nineteen second, because uh, it was a wild card game. 2020, not so good. You know, they got fourth, but they're only five games behind because it's a 60 game season. And then the last two years, they've gotten first. Uh, 2021, they got first, and then they're in first place again right now. So they've kind of quietly become a bit of uh, a, you know, dynasty in the NL Central. And nobody seems to know why or. Really seems to care why. <laughs> Nobody asks. We just kind of say, okay, I guess that happened again. They're just manufacturing pitchers, and it's amazing. Yeah, well, it's this. Yeah, I guess the same as the Guardians earlier in the the 2010s, where it's just you know have one really good player, uh, have a bunch of pitchers keep just somehow showing up and being really great for cheap. And then find five other people on the bargain bin that can hit the ball. And there you go. The team built. Yeah, looks like they might have their hands full with the Cardinals this year, though. True. With with Paul Goldschmidt and anyone else wearing red. But... Well, you know, that's the, those classic St. Louis Cardinals. They don't build, they buy. <laughs> <laughs> All of St. Louis uh, sending send us angry emails now. It's just that St. Louis work ethic. You don't you don't work for it. You just hope it's given to you. Let's Lazy Midwesterners. <laughs> Running down the list here, not seeing a ton else. Anything else you guys want to want to cover before we get out of here? No. Well, do you want to take? I saw a quiz. Somebody tweeted. It's like how to know how you know plugged into cult popular culture you still are um, is by looking at the people who the roster of the celebrity softball game and seeing how many names you recognize oh no uh or yeah the ultimate are you still young quiz is always how many of the people in the all-star celebrity softball game you've heard of so i have the list here if we want to go through it and see how many 
And I'm going to say you don't necessarily have to pick them. We're not going for like the level of if we made a police lineup, you could pick out, okay, this is the one that's that person. Uh-huh. But like they have descriptions of who these people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're not 100% sure, if you can name something that was in this description for them, then we'll say that you've heard of them. Okay. So if you say, like, oh, I think I've heard of them. They're that, you know, whatever. Um, all right. So the first one we have here is Quavo. Uh, Quavo. He's in, he's in the Migos. Yeah. Yeah. Rapper. Quavo. They have, for him, they have rapper, actor, producer, director. So I think they get to write their own. He's a renaissance man. We can definitely guess. Uh, second one, Jojo Siwa. Yeah. She was on like Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or something. Got nothing. Yeah. Uh, she was on. I don't know if we can credit that, but I don't think she was on Disney Channel. She was on Dance Moms. She was one of the little tiny children. Okay. Um, and then was cool, on so. Dancing with the Stars, and was the first person, first person in American Dancing with the Stars to dance with the same sex partner. So, she is a pop star, dancer, entrepreneur, and social media sensation. Now you know. If somebody asks you, hey, who's a social media sensation? You say Jojo Siwa. Jojo Siwa. Anthony Ramos. Hmm. Was he in Hamilton? Yes. Good job, Sean. Okay. Actor. Hamilton in the Heights. Transformers Rise of the Beats. So three. Rise of the Beats? Rise of the Beast. So three. Finally, those guys from Doug are going to make it. (laughs) Three equivalently good movies Hamilton in the Heights and Transformers Rise of the Beast. Uh, Rob Lowe, which I, I'd hope you know. Yes. Uh, NFL hat guy. Interestingly, Rob Lowe, they only list two TV series for him, and they are The West Wing and 911 Lone Star. Not Parks and Rec? Not Parks and Rec, and not, uh, I think it was ER he was on? No, not ER. He's on a bunch, he's been a bunch of other things. That's hilarious that they only list two things yeah. for him. Um, that's all it says. So, He's he really needs to work on his resume and listing it in one line because so far he's been the least impressive so far. Uh, (laughs) Not a social media sensation. sensation. Who? CC Sabathia, I believe. Serapia. Serapia. Famous uh, New York softball player. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Simu Lee? Simu Liu. Simu Liu. Like the Marvel guy? Oh, is that the guy from? Yeah, the Marvel guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Using convenience. I've only ever seen his name written and not spelled, and I could not. I knew it was either Lee or Lou. I couldn't remember which hmm. vowel got dropped there. Simu Lou. Uh, Chloe Kim. The Olympian. The Olympian. Olympics uh, gold medalist snowboarder. Uh, Koi LaRay. I feel like you just threw in a made up name here. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. It's Koi, C O I, and then. Larray L E R A Y. So neither of those are spelled the way you would think. No. Uh, pop star, entertainer, and entrepreneur, which means that they just sell things to dumb fans and become rich that way. Uh, Zach Levi. Uh, is that the guy from Shazam? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Chuck. Uh, I don't know what. Oh yeah. Be, I don't know what you'd say you'd be better known from as Chuck or Shazam. Uh, or Finn Ryder from Tangled, but that was a voice acting role. Uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II. 
Nothing. No. No. Actor, uh, Candyman, and Watchmen. So, hopefully, I pronounced their name sort of close to correctly. Uh, oh, okay. I know who that is. I I just looked it up now. You looked at you looked at the picture. Like I I know his face. I I didn't know. Don't know his name. name. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Finch. Uh, pitcher. Softball star. Yeah. The the famous most the famous, famous softball player I think at this point. Andre Ethier. Former. <laughs> yep. Former. Doctor. Former Sean Hogan draft bust in fantasy baseball many years. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I, when he gets up, they better put a left-handed pitcher on the mound, neutralize him. Uh, Jesus Nice. Oh, I don't know how he pronounces his last name. I'm just gonna say Jesus. I, I know what he, I know him, and I forget why. It's gonna be easy when I tell you the next one is the kid Marrero. Who? Jesus and Marrero. 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 No. That's that's the thing. They're two comedians. They are late night hosts. Oh, they okay. have a show. You might have seen clips from them. And um, just been interestingly, very easy name to remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're both from the Bronx and are big Yankees fans. So funny that they're at the LA one. Uh, the Miz, the wrestling yep. man, wrestling guy who always shows up to this thing. Lauren Chamberlain, women's college world series championship is all it says. So. I don't know if she won it. Currently playing in it, not 100 percent sure. Uh, Natasha Watley, Olympic softball gold medalists. <laughs> Lele Pons or Lily Pons? I can't remember. I think it's Lele. Singer and global entertainer. So you know, crushes Coyle Ray, who's just an entertainer. <laughs> It's like entertainment uh, 720 right global there. entertainment <laughs> uh and then finally lisa fernandez was she was another, a softball player right yeah she was like a Olympic like when, softball gold medalist like a while ago though right yeah i think so yeah so that is those are your all-star celebrity softball players i think combined between the two of you you knew four five six seven eight nine ten eleven out of how many? Uh, I believe it's fifteen. That means so. we're still young, right? <laughs> yeah, I think double digits is still good. Still, you still up, still with it, still know what's going on. It's pretty good average at that point. I'll take it. Yeah. So I had thirteen of those, personally. But again, by Coyle Ray, I agree with you, Sean. Probably a fake one thrown in there as a trap. <laughs> Ray LaCoy, I would have also thought. So if you were to give a description of yourself, final follow-up question on this, uh, like a one line, we'll say three clauses. How would you describe, it said Sean Hogan is in this softball game, and then you are a... Half man, half bear, half pig. <laughs> Sorry, so your your climate half change. Yes, I'm climate change. You're a stand-in for global warming. <laughs> that didn't age well. <laughs> All right, TJ, what would you use your three clauses? Uh, let's see. I am a award-winning, well, no, multiple award-winning. I like that entrepreneur. 
and social media star. Ooh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Just throw as many adjectives in as you can. It's fine. Multiple award winning. What kind of awards? Don't ask questions. Nope, just award winning. Uh, Shut up. I think, My mom's awards I count. <laughs> I have been given an award by an organization. Therefore, I am award winning. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, social media sensation. I think you got to put on there if you have you know, who's defining what sensation means. Also, I got to so say, I think if you have, if you've had one tweet that, you know, a hundred people have retweeted, you could probably reasonably claim you're a social media sensation. So I don't know if this is from, this might be last year's list, but there is a person named Noah Beck and everybody else has like something that's going on. Like they have something yeah. and they might add in something stupid at the end. His is just, Global social media star. Nice. <laughs> Influencer. Nice. Global social media star. It's like, oh, we are but not a the sensation. bottom of the barrel, aren't we? What's interesting is I would argue the difference between a sensation and a star is that the star is now established. He's not getting a lot of new heat, though. Staying People are just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that guy who, you know, is social media. He's a social media guy. So... Wow, that really just says you do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I think the dream. even a, a random Kardashian would be more accomplished than social media global social media star. I mean, that's like aspiring actor. <laughs> yeah, I live in LA. <laughs> so you mean unemployed or waiter? Yes. That is what you yes. mean. <laughs> I enjoy watching Barry. Therefore, I am also an aspiring. <laughs> Yeah, I would say social media sensation, TV critic, uh, sports reporter, you know, all of these things. Uh, A modern day renaissance man. Modern day mm-hmm. renaissance man. Well, what if you just put that? <laughs> you didn't actually explain what it was that you did. It's just, I am a modern day renaissance man. What do you do? I, what do you do? What don't, what I, don't do? I do? That is what I'm trying to say here. Awful. So I think with that, that is officially anything interesting to talk about baseball from the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was talking with Sean before you got on here um, on the Nat site. They have a, an ad for like, you know, vote for your guys for the all-star game. Yeah. And the audacity of the people they put in this image. Oh, really? Oh, how many? It's the entire starting offense. Yeah. I saw the, because I saw the one, I think either they emailed or they put on Twitter and the image, it was just Cabo Ruiz, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. And I was like, that's good for you. Admirable restraint to just, all right, can you vote, at least vote for the three people it might make a little bit of sense to vote for. No, I'm looking but at it right now. Michael else Franco is, is centered on this image. He's in there. Just, just wait like 10 years and see how many of these guys we can name. Uh, yeah. It's like trying to name 2000 national nine nationals. Now yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> Actually, I can name. Oh, I guess we named a few Willingham and Don Don Niger Morgan, Niger Morgan. Yeah. Uh, and Keel. But then the problem is then you can't, I can't remember if like was Elijah Duke 2009 or is he 2008? 
I think he was like seven and eight. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know he made it. Well, and then you said Rick Ankiel, but then I can't remember. If, I thought Rick Ankiel was 10. 10 and 11. Yeah, he's probably 10 and 11. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that it, you can name people from, I think if you had like a three year period, you had those shoulder years, you definitely could be nailing it. But once it's like, all right, name this specific year, it's like, oh, was that guy this year or was he the year before? They all sucked. That's all I remember. <laughs> Oh, that was the other thing. Kay Cavalli had a good start the other day. Complete game. Struck out 10. See you soon, buddy. <laughs> Can't be worse than a Don. I mean, God, like, what's the rotation at this point? It's, it's Steven Strasburg. Well, Josiah Gray had a nice start today. He did. And he, other than the home runs, he's great. Other than the play, Mrs. Lincoln, or other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> Could be a little more efficient. He threw like a hundred some odd pitches tonight through five. But yeah, maybe may work on that and don't let them hit it to the moon. Mm-hmm. But just like once a game. Uh, Ideal. So Evan Lee, Josiah Gray, Fetty, Corbin. Strasburg. Oh, he's not on the roster. He's not on the active roster. Oh. I'm sitting here looking. I'm like, who the hell else is a starter? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I think I think Lee is going to get to keep starting in the Adon spot. And then Cavalli will probably take that spot at some point soon. Uh, congratulations again to Eric Fetty somehow. His ability, if you're going to be a guy who's at the brink of being cut all the time, He's got it down where you need to play your absolute best in April and May so that nobody, it takes too long for people to notice that you are actually doing that well. Cause it's not until like August where it'll really show up in your stats. And then by then it's like, well, he's already been here almost the whole season. What's the point? I'll just let him finish it and then do it again. So Eric very Eddie's impressive survivor, work. Man. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. All right. Uh, I think that is going to do it for us this evening. Uh, looking at the calendar. I think two weeks will work out fine as long as that doesn't conflict with anybody else's schedule. And with that... We will see you all in two weeks. Until then, we are ghosts.